0: Today we have the pleasure of interviewing Sean Needham. Now Sean is a pharmacist along with his wife Janet. They both own Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy. But here's the deal, Sean is the real deal. He is a leader and an innovator in his industry because he does not think like the usual pharmacist of just wanting to give you another drug, another medication. He's actually trying to help people get off of their medications. He's the Clinical Assistant Professor for University of Washington School of Pharmacy. He teaches an advanced compounding course there. He's spoken on topics across the nation from hormone replacement, innovative pain therapies, and even marketing in a pharmacy. But Sean is the author of Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. He's also the host of a really cool podcast that I've had the privilege of being on, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. He's very help, very passionate about helping people, him and his wife, uh, through achieving optimal health via hormone balancing and nutrition. And uh, he's just a great guy, great innovator, and a great way of thinking. He's all about getting to the cause and not just covering up the symptoms. So let's hear it from Sean. You're
1: listening to the Dr. Chris Show. Are you tired of the short-term patch to your health problems? Is avoiding medications and surgeries important to you? If you answered yes, then your prayers have been answered. Dr. Chris has been helping people transform their health for over a decade. He's a world-renowned health expert who specializes in holistic health. He's a professional speaker, chiropractor, and international best-selling author. It's his mission to help you reach your full God-given potential through holistic health and healing. Get ready to be inspired and transformed. Here's your host, Dr. Chris.
0: All right, everyone, and welcome to another episode where disease takes a dive and people come to thrive. And today we've got an awesome guest. We've got the infamous Sean Needham. He's not only a a professional downhill mountain biker. Well, he might not be quite, maybe a professional. I'm not sure what to talk about that in a minute. Uh, But also he is a pharmacist and not a pharmacist in the typical fashion that we view pharmacists in our old paradigm. And so I'm really excited to have him share his viewpoints, his philosophies on health and pharmacies and just everything integrated around that in our healthcare system. So Sean, thanks for being on today.
1: Hey, thank you for having me on. Super excited to be on and share my story and you know, share where the the direction I plan on um, going with my practice and and taking patients. So thanks for having me on, Chris.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I really want to dive into your story because you don't you do not have the typical viewpoint of someone in the medical profession and someone in a pharmaceutical background, um, where it's like you're not trying to push pills down people and, and be a drug dealer. You're actually trying to help people free themselves of medications and really help themselves get well from the inside out. And so what's been your journey of where did you come from that got you into pharmacy school and and practice and that route? And then at what point did maybe your philosophy shift, or maybe it was always this philosophy, um, and just share that journey you've been with today.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'd love to. First of all, I can't share that journey without sharing about my wife, because, you know, my wonderful wife, Janet, is also a pharmacist, and mm-hmm. we own Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy together and have since 1998. And, you know, when we we graduated about the same time, she was graduated a, a year and a half earlier than I did, um, and we realized that, we realized pretty quickly that we were disenfranchised with, uh, you know, the typical pharmacy role that a pharmacist played. And we were basically largely just dispensers of medication and build insurance companies. And that's, and up into this day, you know, 20 some years later, that's really what most pharmacists in most typical pharmacy situations, like a Walmart, like a Walgreens, Mm -hmm. whatever, that's really what they honestly do. And it's very, very disheartening. It's not, you don't feel very valued. Um, you don't use a lot of your education. You're really just a dispenser of medication, check-in prescriptions, yeah. and and bill insurance. And that's really mostly what you deal with. You don't really have a lot of opportunity to change people's lives. So almost 22 years ago, Jan and I took the plunge, and we wanted to do something different. So we opened up our pharmacy, Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, in October of 1998, and we were a full-service pharmacy. We were yeah. dispensing all kinds of medications. We were billing all the insurances. We had we sold durable medical equipment, and we did do compounding at the time. We compounded medications. We made medications from scratch. We didn't think that there was a big market for that. Uh, fast forward 26 years later, or, or 22 years later at mm-hmm. our pharmacy, and, you know, that's 95% of what we do is compound medications and ship them all over the Pacific Northwest. So we're licensed in Idaho, Oregon, and Washington. Back up a little bit about what really changed us. Um, You know, slowly we realized that the insurance model, the sick care model, especially of healthcare, and especially in pharmacy, just wasn't working. Okay, you have hypertension, high blood pressure. You need a medication. Okay, you have high cholesterol. You need a medication. Um, okay, you have back pain, you need a medication. You have knee pain, you need medication. Um, and the list goes on. Yeah. And we realized that, you know, a lot of these diseases are lifestyle created. Um, and we wanted to fix the problem, not just treat symptoms. Absolutely. The straw that broke the camel's back was a patient that had, Janet had taken care of for years and she was on 20-some different medications. Yes. I, you heard that right. 20-some yes. medications. You. And you might see some of those patients in your office. Maybe not, Chris, because they're, they're still in the traditional healthcare field. But um, obviously, those patients come to your office. They're yeah. probably, that system's not working. So they're coming to you for a solution. So um, the gal told Janet, and the, the gal was morbidly obese, and she told Janet that she had eaten herself to death. Jeez. And for years we'd been giving her medications for diabetes for high blood pressure, for high cholesterol, the list goes on, yeah. the list goes on. Right. And we're just like, you know what? We're not helping people. We're enabling people. And that's not what we were meant to do as pharmacists. We want to educate and empower people. Yeah. So in 2002 we really created kind of a revolution and We decided, you know, one of the only ways for us to help people the way we want to help people is to get out of that model, get out of that insurance-based billing system model where insurance companies are basically the only way we get reimbursed is from an insurance company to tell us what kind of reimbursement they're going to give us from a a problem that might be caused by a lifestyle issue, but we're going to go ahead and treat the symptom caused by a lifestyle issue Hmm. instead of fixing the lifestyle issue. So... Fast forward many years later, and basically what we do now is we help people with health and wellness. and We want to educate and empower patients that they're in charge of their own health, and we do a large amount of hormone replacement. That's over 85% of our practice, and why do we do a lot of hormone replacement? Partly because we have a path. Pack- for it and we're knowledgeable about it Mm -hmm. and we've been doing it for a long time so we get questions from doctors and providers and patients all over the Pacific Northwest and we and we help them but also we realize how powerful it is to help change people's lives I think we we, we talk about functional medicine a lot and Mm -hmm. functional medicine is where we go to the root of the problem and not just treat symptoms and I think hormone replacement is a perfect example of that let's take a man for example you know, how many men in their 40s or 50s get um, high cholesterol, weight gain around the middle, decreased energy, depression, erectile dysfunction? How many men get those symptoms? What do we do? We give them, you know, atorvastatin for cholesterol. We give them blood pressure medications. We give them Viagra for erectile dysfunction. We give them Prozac for, for depression. And not once has that man's um, thyroid levels or testosterone levels been checked. And if you balance the testosterone and the thyroid, many of those problems will go away. So we treat problems, not just symptoms. I think that's what hormonal placement does. And, and, and for women, it's, it's the same just on a, a, you know, with some, you know, maybe varying symptoms. Obviously, some of them overlap, but, um, you know, it's the same thing. Osteoporosis. you know, how many women are on a medication for osteoporosis? Well, if their hormones are in balance, you know hormones help to keep um, your bones strong. So if you have, um, you know, balanced hormones and optimized hormones, um, that is going to prevent you from getting osteoporosis. So that's what changed. That's what changed. What we did is, you know, and we we feel we love what we do now. We have a passion for it. We love helping people. We have, you know, people every day that call us and thank us, and some of them even say, you know, you saved our lives, and that is just so gratifying.
0: I bet. Well, I mean, when you had that old model, I'm sure you probably didn't get a whole lot of that. I'm sure it was probably a lot of just stress and people being angry and wanting their prescription filled. And then they, if you didn't, you probably got a bunch of flack for that. And uh, it's probably just a whole freeing situation for not just you guys, but for your patients and really serving them. So for you, when you guys went into pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical school, was it? did you guys have any glimpse of like what you were wanting to do in this vision you're doing now, or is it just, that it was kind of a slow turn into having that realization one day.
1: It was a slow turn. And, a, a, and of course, you know, when you're in pharmacy school, you're, you know, let, let's face it. I mean, pharmacy schools are, you know, the biggest donors are drug companies to pharmacy mm-hmm. schools. So, I mean, you are literally indoctrinated on, you know, diseases that are treatable by drug therapy. Um, I look back at some of that and I think, you know, not once did somebody say, oh, well, you know, the, you know, the, the latest and greatest fancy drug for, you know, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, which everybody seems to have now. Let's see. You don't think that can be a diet related issue? I mean, come on. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean you're laughing, Chris, but it's true. No, right? I mean, I am
0: no, I'm, I'm not because I, I agree with you. Right. It's exactly. I know. Uh, yeah. Right.
1: I, and, and you probably see a lot of that. I mean, and look at just how many, the, the, you know, some of them are obvious, like, like uh, you know, diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Those are obviously lifestyle related. But think about some of the diseases that we don't think about necessarily they are directly related. But, you know, any kind of digestion type issue, you know, before you take a drug, um, why don't you try to change your lifestyle, change what you eat? Yeah. I mean, it's that simple, you know, but maybe it's not simple because a lot of people yeah. do think that, you know they think well they want to, well, people want a pill to treat everything. Here's my reaction to that. Doctors and pharmacists and any healthcare professional that say that they're copying out. Yeah. what they really are saying is, well, I don't have the time to talk to my patient about correct lifestyle modifications, okay. At least you're, you should admit that because that, that is really what the truth is. Yeah. You know, and one of the reasons is is because they are so bound by insurance companies. They've got to see 40 to 50 patients a day. So it's just much easier to say, oh, okay, you've got a little bit of reflux. You need this medication, Prilosec. It'll, it'll help you out. Instead of saying, well, you know, what are you de- doing at night? Are you drinking? Are you taking any other medications? Are you eating big meals? Nothing like that. You know, don't go over that. Um, you well, know, it's,
0: it's a lot of times it's, when people think about their health and thinking about their excuses, a lot of times they let insurance companies be their excuse and they'll let insurance dictate their health, right? Whether it be the doctor or whether it be the patient, they will be, well, Hey, my insurance doesn't cover it. So, well, I'm not going to do this thing over here. I'll do the thing. My insurance covers that's, that's better for me. That's, that's more convenient is really what they're saying. And man, if we just left it up to the insurance company to take care of our health, well, we're going to be in pretty bad shape because they're not looking out for us, right? They're looking out for their shareholders, right. right? And so when you look at most Americans, most Americans do let their insurance dictate their health, and most Americans are sicker than they've ever been. Uh, there's definitely not just a correlation there, uh, but I think a cause there. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. You're preaching to the choir. I mean, yep. bingo. I mean, you're, you're right on. Um, that is so true. And, and I, that's one of the things that I talk about constantly on my podcast, and I wrote a book about it, is that... People should be in charge of their own health care. Do not let an insurance company, and especially the government, which most insurances are government insurance, period. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can argue that, oh, well, there's private insurances out there. Yeah, they're private, but they are so heavily regulated by by the government standard and rules that they're really not private. They're told what they can pay for and how much they can pay for it. That's really the case. So... Yeah, do not let an insurance company dictate your health, period, Um, because they're not, they don't have your best interest in mind. So, absolutely, Chris.
0: Well, now, when you start to think about some of the things that you see maybe coming into your clinic and and the things you're dealing with with people on a daily basis, and maybe the things that maybe you don't see as much now because you're not in that same kind of game where you're just, you know, pushing pills and just writing, just filling prescriptions, it's like, what are some of the main things you see people that are taking medications for that you're like, man, this would be such an easy thing. I think you mentioned some of them so far, but what, what do you think like, are your top five symptoms that people are taking medications for right now? Well,
1: so yeah, we have a very unique practice in that most of, most of our patients are hormone-related patients because mm-hmm. we get referrals from all over the Pacific Northwest. So that's mm-hmm. what we focus on. Um, so, I mean, if I wanted to hit on that, I'd say, what is the most common, what is the most common thing we hear when it comes to a symptom? you know, maybe hot flashes or, um, you know, depression or something like that, which we can fix with hormones usually. So, but traditionally in a traditional pharmacy practice, if you look at, all you got to do is look at the, you know, the, the top 10 prescribed drugs Mm -hmm. and, you know, what are the top 10 prescribed drugs? Well, and I don't know them right now. Um, But you can, you can put them in a group because, you know, some of them are such the same, like, like the SSRIs or or the antidepressants, you can link those all in one group. But, you know, I would imagine if you link those all in one group, they're going to be a a top five drug at least. Absolutely. You know, Um, another one is, you know, a pain medication. Uh, Those are, you know, obviously that's a really hot topic right now. Um, But what else? Um, Things for reflux, things for cholesterol, things for um, hypertension. Statins, yeah. right. Statins for cholesterol. And, you know, those are all things that if you change your, your lifestyle, chances are you won't need to be on those medications. And I know that so- sounds so weird coming from a pharmacist, but Janet and I do not believe in long-term treatment um, with most drugs Chronic disease, we don't believe in long-term treatment for high blood pressure, for cholesterol. We don't believe in it. I know that sounds yeah. odd coming from a pharmacist, but really what I like about that mm-hmm. is I think that makes it a much more powerful statement because then people are like, wow, this guy's a pharmacist and he thinks that? Yeah. I mean, Janet, I'm speaking for Janet. I shouldn't speak for Janet, but I'm speaking for myself too. I would never take a statin. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. And I would never recommend my immediate family take a statin. Ever um it's just there's so much more to the story about cholesterol and even if cholesterol is does contribute somewhat to cardiovascular disease statins are just not the best way to fix it and you know there's many studies i could show to 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 prove that also they make patients feel horrible they're horrible for your liver they're horrible for your muscle they called rhabdomylysis they break down muscle many elderly are in pain and it's because they're taking a statin. They go off the statin, pain goes away. Well I'm not kidding.
0: (laughs) How about your brain health too? Because you know, I have multiple patients that have come in on statins and they're having like brain fog and memory issues and cognitive decline. And then they start to get off those medications and those memory things and brain health comes back.
1: I am so glad you said that. So cholesterol is very, very Um, ubiquitous in our bodies and we need it. Without cholesterol, we will die. And nerve cells, neurons, especially in the brain are very, very high in cholesterol. And there have been multiple cases of, you know, memory issues, possibly dementia, possibly Alzheimer's that are linked to the statin drugs. Yeah. Um, I literally just
0: had, this is what pisses me off is I literally just had a patient come in this week having some of these symptoms, um, cognitive decline, basically they did diagnose them with like early onset dementia. And when they asked, Hey, can I get off of my statin drug? Is it going to create more problems for my brain health? The doctor said, no, there's no proof that it affects your brain. I was like, are you serious? Like, just look at the research. I'm like, this is what you're getting educated on. It's crazy. And I will say this, we, we had a,
1: um, a gal on our podcast a few months back, and she, she um, specializes in cardiovascular prevention, and she will use statins in a very, very narrow, very, very narrow cases. But um, she said this, you know, car- cardiologists like statins, although I still don't believe statins prevent heart attacks. I really don't.
0: Yeah. Well, really it don't. says on the, on the commercials, does not prevent disease, uh, does not prevent heart attack or stroke. right right the commercials right in the fine print so yeah
1: (laughs) right and um but she she did say this so i i like this this is coming out in mainstream medicine Mm -hmm. neurologists don't like statins so there is it's in the big publications it's in mainstream medicine that statins are not good for brain health
0: absolutely now let's say some people are wanting to start to they're starting to have this realization they're starting to understand that hey i need to do things differently these medications are not the answer. I've been doing the same thing over and over again, and I'm trying to expect some different result, the definition of insanity. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so what, how could people go about, what would be this? I know you can't give specifics because there's so many different medications and variables and things, but what would be the steps that people would want to start to look at doing for maybe certain classes of medications, some of the more common ones, maybe some of the SSRIs, maybe the, a cholesterol med, maybe a high, the high blood pressure thing. What what would be some things to look at or some steps they could start to take?
1: Right. And, well, first of all, I mean, you know, don't stop any medication without talking to your doctor or healthcare provider first. Um, But I do recommend the less medications you take for chronic disease, the better. Um, So blood pressure medications, for instance. um, We we do know this. We do know that a major cause of hypertension can be um, obesity um i was guilty of this you know 10 plus years ago i was 60 pounds heavier and um i had hypertension i had high cholesterol and i went to the doctor and i was going to start a weight loss program and i just wanted to get you know all my baseline labs and stuff and of course they you know they they fed me the right act they said oh well, you need to go on blood pressure meds you need to go on a high cholesterol med And i'm like no and i wasn't going to tell them about losing weight because i just didn't want to fight with them over it mm-hmm. so i said nah not right now let's just not Let's just not talk about that right now. Anyway, I lost sixty pounds, and you know, um, all those things went away. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and not just those things, but I had foot pain, um, and I had knee pain, and that went away. So, not it's not just for, you know, the, the diseases we think about, um, but how many people seriously? How many people have knee surgery, and if they just ate right and we're at a healthy body weight, they wouldn't need knee surgery.
0: Uh, it's probably oh, a scary number.
1: Well, I was surprised. I thought 50%. But if you look back in February, we had Dr. Sean Baker on, who is a proponent of the um, the um, carnivore diet. He eats carnivore only. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He's 53 years old. He eats carnivore only, and he's ripped. He's in great shape. And – you know, his numbers, his his lab chemistries look great, even though, you know, we're taught how bad carnivore diets are and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. But I asked him when he was, I was interviewing him on my podcast. I said, so how many people are, how many, how many people could prevented surgeries if they would have changed their lifestyle? The number was astounding, Chris. Hmm. 85%. 85%. 85% of his total hips, total knees, shoulders—if they change their diet and they change their lifestyle, they could have been prevented surgery. So, that's are I talking just
0: talking. That's not coming out because that would destroy the orthopedic. Oh, business, well, right? let me
1: tell you this. <laughs> Speak, speaking of him, he was practicing in Arizona, and he had a group, a big group practice, and he started talking to his patients. This is. Many years ago, he started talking to his patients before he'd do surgery. He wanted them to, you know, maybe lose a little bit of weight. So he started talking to him about keto. They went on the keto diet. This is a true story. You can look him up. Sean Baker. Um, you, you can look him up on website, MeetRx or, or mm-hmm. Sean Baker, orthopedic surgeon, um, carnivore diet, either one. And um, he's an orthopedic surgeon. And he, so he's telling his patients, he's like, okay, I want you to lose some weight before I do your surgery. So he put him on the keto diet. Well, he noticed right away mm-hmm. these patients would come back and they say, well, my knee pain's gone. My hip pain's gone. Whatever, right? Yeah. So he was doing less surgeries. Well, guess what? The hospital and his colleagues did not like it. So guess what happened? He got, awesome. turned into, he got turned into the State Board of Medicine. You know, some little bogus claim, whatever it was, and he had to fight it. Had to fight it with thousands and thousands of dollars, and he ended up fighting it to keep his license Yes. Why didn't they like it? Because it cuts in their pocketbook, period. And I'm a capitalist. I've got nothing wrong with people making money. Yeah. Nothing wrong. But I do want educated and empowered consumers. And consumers need to realize that surgeons are out there to make money. This is nothing against surgeons. Mm-hmm. Surgery is necessary at many times. Um, it's just like drugs are necessary at many times. But drug companies, pharmacies, pharmacists are out there to make money. I want to educate and empower patients to take the safest, best route, whether it be drug therapy or surgery um, or lifestyle modifications. And believe me, I'm, I'm guilty of breaking many bones and, and, and letting my body heal itself. And many times you don't need surgery. But I guarantee you on those, I broke my clavicle last year. I guarantee you, I would have found a surgeon if I would have went in to get X-rays, and they would have saw that it was broke. I would have found a surgeon; that would have done surgery. Well, guess what? That, my shoulder's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, like you said, I mean, that's what we preach right here every day, and that's what we preach our our patients is the body heals itself, right? You just, you're a self healing organism. Give it what it needs, and you know sometimes we need that extra assistance, right? We need that yep. outside influence. If you know, if your bone is supposed to be like this and it's stuck off like this it's probably not going to heal the same, right exactly <laughs> but it's going to be healed like this and then yeah so we might need that extra person to set it and put the bone then that right. absolutely makes sense so so with some of these medications and getting back into like okay how, how do we go about this are there certain drugs you can just come off immediately without any side effects well we yeah
1: there are and like i said again you know disclaimer okay. here don't don't disclaimer. go off any medication immediately but um blood pressure medication so let's go back to that topic if you lose a little bit of weight your blood pressure will go down just like mine did um antidepressants you can get rebound side effects and stuff if you don't titrate off them too fast if you titrate off them too fast you usually have to go off those slower depends mm-hmm. on the drug they're they're all a little bit different um here again uh, and this is this is actually documented in in mm-hmm. package inserts and in the literature. Antidepressants were never meant to be described, prescribed in most situations for longer than six months mm-hmm. um, you know they 're just not because they, they over the long term they change your brain chemistry, and that 's one of the reasons they 're hard yeah. to get off of now drug companies love them i mean drug companies love them because some of them are hard enough to get off of it 's like getting off heroin I am not kidding you mm-hmm. and, and drug companies love them so it, depending on the antidepressant it takes longer. And then you know one medication that um, can you can go off of insulin, and you won't have any any negative side effects at least um, short term is you know cholesterol medications, and in fact you'll you'll probably feel better, yeah. um, you know because it's not something that you 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 don't feel your cholesterol getting higher, and it's not a number that you know. Um, yeah, But you'll, like I said, muscle pain and liver problems is a, is a side effect of those drugs. So.
0: Now, how about things like digestive medications? Are those things you can get off immediately or is that something you have to wean off of?
1: Oh, well, that, that's one of the things too. So let, let's just talk about that. So one of the most common drugs for reflux, they call them um, proton pump inhibitors. <laughs> Basically, what they do is they decrease the acid production in our stomachs. Well, let's face it. Our bodies are made for a reason. We are created amazingly. We are mm-hmm. created amazingly. And our stomachs, not our intestine, but our stomachs are meant to be full of acid for many reasons. To help dissolve food, to help absorb nutrients, to help prevent bad things from coming into our body. Mm -hmm. You know, that includes bad bacteria. That includes bad viruses that we inhale all the time. So our tummies are meant to be acidic. So what do we do? Somebody has some reflux. Why do they have reflux? Well, because I gorged myself right before I went to bed. And then all night long, I kept coughing stuff up. Well, of course you did. Don't do that again. Or they drink excessive alcohol. You know, alcohol um, lowers that lower esophageal sphincter pressure. Um, there's other drugs that do that too. And then it, it creates GERD. It creates reflux. So those are lifestyle issues. So here's the problem. Are... When our stomach is in the presence of acid, when our stomach cells are in the presence of acid, our body tells itself, okay, we're literally eating our stomach away very quickly um, because that's the nature of it. So our body reproduces stomach cells over and over again. Well, what happens when you take a long term antacid, a strong antacid like a Prilosec, like a Prebaced, which you can get over the counter now, um, the proton pump inhibitors? What happens is our stomach says, Oh, I don't have acid anymore, so I don't need a thick lining anymore to protect myself, the thick mucosal lining, to protect my cells from that acid so that mucosal lining gets thinner. So when you try to go off those drugs, you have horrible pain, especially when you eat because now you have a thin stomach lining. So there are, there are some supplements you can take to help kind of wean off that and help to um, build up that, that lining
0: again. What are some that you recommend?
1: um licorice is one of them Mm -hmm. you you know um but long term you need to get off that medication and and let your stomach 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 repair itself um you know and it's just it's horrible those drugs you look at the package insert they're not meant to be prescribed longer than six weeks and people are living on those 20 years
0: yeah i've seen it all right
1: i've been in practice for 26 years i know people that have that have been on them for 20 it's, it's horrible. And that is, we are not doing those patients any justice. No. I mean, we need to talk to them about how they can fix their lifestyle. And believe me, I, I was guilty. I had GERD. I'd get up every morning and I'd have, I'd have reflux. And why? Because I used to have a horrible diet. And by the way, when I binge every once in a while, um, I'll wake up and I'll feel horrible and I'll have GERD. It's like, well, that's just a good reminder that I just don't need to do that. All right.
0: Where well, I feel those things are, you know, taking those medications long term is just giving yourself a first-class ticket to a cancer because when you're having stomach issues and it's that constant turnover and everything else, it's just, it manifests into something else, right? And then you end up on the more medications to take care of these other symptoms and it's just that slippery slope. Yep. So it's crazy. Now, I know you have a, a book called Sickened, right? You guys can get yep. copies of that on Amazon. Can you talk a little bit about what your motivation is behind that book? Maybe kind of a what yes. you're, you're focusing on that. Absolutely. So the
1: book is called sickened how the government ruined healthcare and how to fix it. So the motivation behind the book is again, to educate and empower consumers that they're in charge of their own health. Just like the things you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So many of these diseases we hear about are, Oh, well, diabetes is so expensive and, and, you know, we don't need to get into the purpose of the, for the purpose of this show. We don't need to get the argument of diabetes type one versus type two diabetes. But, um, most diabetes is all diabetes is can be helped to be controlled by diet type two or type one period there is no magic drug that is going to solve type one diabetes either Mm -hmm. um yeah you need to be on insulin but if you don't watch what you eat and exercise if you don't watch those things your blood sugars won't be in control period okay let's move on to type two diabetes Type 2 diabetes is a, cardio, it's a, it's a carbohydrate metabolism problem, okay? And I wanted to make sure that patients know, know those things. And we talk about how expensive these diabetes drugs are. Well, diabetes drugs are so expensive, and that's why we need universal health care, and that's why the government needs to pay for it, and that's why they should be free. Well, let's back up a little bit. 75% of all of our health care dollars are spent by the federal government, federal or state government. So if we think the government's going to fix that problem by getting further involved, no, we're wrong. They're not going to. So they're going to make it worse. So I want to let individuals know that they're in charge of their own health. And not only in charge of their own health to, to, um, you know, with lifestyle issues, but also to, um, with financial issues. The, you know, healthcare is shoppable. You know, find a doctor. You can find affordable doctors. I mean, there's doctors that you can pay $50 a month and have unlimited visits for. Yes, I know. It sounds too good to be true. So I put the Sickened in there. It's kind of a catchy title. And then um, How the Government Ruined Healthcare because I go to the history of, of what started it. And, um, and then I wanted, I wanted to offer a solution. So in the book, there's a six-step solution. And the, and the, and the solution starts with the consumer. I mean, the consumer is in charge. And, and then another step is, too, that healthcare professionals, they have to get out of the system. And I interviewed a guy earlier, in, earlier this week on my podcast, and he figured the only way to fix the system is get out of the system. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I'm not out of the system. I mean, I'm not in the system anymore. I'm yeah. kind of out of it. I mean, yeah. I'm in it, but I'm, I'm out of it. I'm not in the traditional yeah. healthcare system. I don't ever want to go back to that model because that's all about sick care. It's not about keeping people healthy. I want to keep people healthy, educate and empower consumers about their health, and they're in charge of it that's the motivation behind the book. It's a quick read on Amazon mm-hmm. Kindle version. It's like 120 pages. It, it's and it's, it's super informative. And we're, I'm working on a on a um, audio book and a softback book that should be out later this year.
0: Awesome, awesome! I'm looking forward to get my copy. Yes,
1: been holding, we will send been holding will send, that from me. <laughs>
0: yeah, we will send you a copy. My producer will send you a copy. Sweet. And then I mean, can you give us maybe like the first step of the six? Just give us a little. Yeah, just like a little. Um, we've been talking about it this whole yeah. time, Chris.
1: The Good. first step of the six is that the consumer needs to, ma- needs to go to professionals like yourself and like me that are educated about health and wellness type topics because awesome. that's yeah. what's going to control your health. In Chapter 6, right before I go to the six-step solution, and you can see it right back here mm-hmm. if, if we zoom down low enough, the best health insurance we have, it's not some policy we can buy. It's how we take care of ourselves. That's a direct quote from me in chapter six of that book. And it's so true. The best health insurance we have is not some policy we can buy.
0: Period. Well, you know, it's amazing because, you know, I've looked at different statistics from different insurance companies and financial institutions. And, you know, what they say is, is that by the time someone hits retirement, they need to have about a quarter of a million dollars just to pay for their sick care. Right. And it's, it's crazy. Think about, man, if you could, if you could just do the lifestyle aspect, whether it be, you know, doing the things naturally for your body, putting the right foods in, um, getting to the cause of issues, going to the chiropractor, whatever it be, just to be maintaining and, and being proactive. On average, you'll save about seventy percent on healthcare expenses compared to the national average, right? I mean, I yeah. think about right, it; it's crazy. So, I mean, I, I've seen some of your other podcasts and some of their posts, you're talking about examples of people. And I think maybe one of the examples was of your, was it of your son that broke his arm or maybe he had something, or maybe it was one of your leg. patients leg. Yeah. And like the craziness that, and the expensiveness of that and how it could have been like a, a 20th or a 10th of the price, but it was just in the yeah. system it was in.
1: Yeah. I, I just, I just did another post today cause I was going through the numbers and that's another thing is that, so, you know, not, not everything is lifestyle related. Mm-hmm. For instance, my son, you know, compound fracture of his leg wasn't lifestyle related well i mean an 18 year old kid jumping a canal and running into the concrete with his leg i guess that is a lifestyle but that's his part of it yeah. um but you know what the great thing is is he is you know first of all he had great care and the other great thing is, is he was healthy anyway mm-hmm. so we're talking about a healthy guy i mean the nurse said that i've never seen anybody this healthy his blood pressure was so good and you know the physical therapist decided it's like you don't really need physical therapy do you and it's like no, I can probably do it on my own. He was lifting weights the next day, mm-hmm. upper body stuff. But anyway, so incidents like that do happen. Um, but here again, we can – there are a lot of things that we can plan for or shop with our healthcare. Um, and, for instance, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, I, 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 used a comment, I used an example in my post today. The same surgery that Jordan had at our local hospital here um, was $46,000. Surgery Center of Oklahoma, $8,000. Wow. Yeah, and for for most root, you know, for most elective procedures, you know, um, th- th- they're they're shoppable. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't. And and I did a post this morning. Um, speaking of that, so forty six thousand dollars. You know, patients have a healthcare um, insurance plan, and it pays eighty percent. Um, forty, and they they have twenty percent copay. Twenty percent of forty six thousand is nine thousand two hundred dollars. <laughs> Surgery Center of Oklahoma is eight thousand dollars. It's
0: cheaper than just pay cash.
1: And yeah. and you won't go through all the rigor mold. So um, yeah, you're 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 better off paying paying cash, you know, not using insurance. And that, I think that's true with many, many different things. Um, and I think you should have some kind of some kind of coverage if the big cancer happens or the big um, you know, some kind of big, big Big issue, but yeah. Um, yeah, the the service would be better too. Because here's what I say when it comes to healthcare: when when the consumer is paying the bill, that's the customer. The people have to be treated. The, the the people there have to treat them better. You ever noticed why at a lot of healthcare entities the service is horrible? Why? Because the consumer is not paying the bill. Medicare is, Medicaid is, or an insurance company is. Honestly they don't care about the customer mm-hmm. because the customer is the insurance company. That's what they care about. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I, I, I really honestly believe that. And, and that's why you'll get better service when you pay cash because you want to make people happy. It's no different than my pharmacy. I want to mm-hmm. make everybody that calls my pharmacy or comes into my pharmacy. I want to make them happy because they're paying me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. that makes perfect sense for sure. So, Sean, this has been great, man. I know we could talk like probably another hour on this Absolutely. stuff and get into a whole get into all kinds of rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, um, I but love I, it. I want to I want to ask this last thing of you. What do you feel is reaching your full potential? Like, what does reaching your full potential mean to you?
1: Well, reaching my full potential is just continue continue to 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 grow my book sales and to get um, that out there so people can understand how to make changes and um continue to educate and empower consumers on my podcast janet and i have a podcast we have since october we do two episodes a week it's called health solutions with sean and janet needham and we have guests from all over the country um you know that can help with health with health health and wellness type issues and and we do talk politics of it too because when the government's involved with healthcare, there is a lot of politics so Mm -hmm. you know we've had some um, big guests on and, and we'll have some bigger guests on in the future too. And, and hopefully make some changes because I, I am seeing, here's what I'm seeing. I am seeing a lot of changes. I will tell you um, that's why I'm not giving up the fight because you know, although it may be an uphill struggle, there are people that realize that um, you know, the system right now, the sick care system, it's not working. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I want to educate and empower people about. So that's my full potential. I don't know if there is one. I think it's unlimited. I just want to keep, I just want to keep an educating and empowering individuals.
0: Awesome. Well, Sean, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you, you're doing. Just being a, a person on the on the front lines and being the forefront of just changing really a, a system that has been inundated by pharmaceutical on the evil side of things. There's like you on the good side of things, right? right. And, on the yeah, good, no, I, and there's right. The evil. and I feel it's been overwhelmed. So I'm, I, you know, I'm proud of you for stepping up and leading that and I hope it's more people keep following you. So appreciate you. We'll make sure we get your notes on the, on the show notes here. Make sure if you're a listener today that you get out and, and get that book and, and educate yourself so you can figure out what those six steps are to help start to transform your life too. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely.
1: Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. To get this and other episodes and other free resources we mentioned today, go to newedgewellness.com or listen to the Happy Healthy Hormones with Dr. Chris podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.